And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has incredible podcasts like the Salesman Podcast hosted by Will Barron. Now, if you work in sales, you want to learn how to sell, or you want to peek at some of the latest sales news and insights, you need to listen to the Salesman Podcast The host, Will Barron, helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. If you think any of the following topics resonate with you, you're going to love the show. How to find and close your dream job in sales, 12 essential principles of selling, digital body language, how to have better Zoom sales meetings, or how to tell a remarkable sales story. If these are topics that would interest you, go check out the Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcast or at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Today, my guest is Liz Faircloth. She is the co-founder of the DeRosa Group. She is the co-founder and CEO of the Real Estate Invest Her Community, co-host of the Real Estate Invest Her podcast and author of the recently published book, Only Woman in the Room, Knowledge and Inspiration from 20 Successful Real Estate Women Investors. Just to give you an idea of what she's built, The DeRosa Group controls $60 million worth of residential and commercial assets up and down the East Coast. The Real Estate Invest Her community is an enormous community. Her show is one of the top 25 investing shows globally. It's one of the top 50 business podcasts and shows globally. It's part of the Bigger Pockets podcast network, which is one of the largest podcast networks with over 110 million collective downloads. So she's built an incredible real estate company, an incredible community, an incredible podcast. We spoke about her origin story, founding the DeRosa Group with her husband, Matt, in 2005, scaling it to a rental portfolio of over $60 million, some of the lessons that she's learned. So if you have invested in real estate or if you ever want to invest in real estate, which anybody listening to this show, even if you don't want to be a real estate investor, you should learn how to invest in real estate from the best. So if you have gone in or you're looking to go in at some point in your life, she teaches you some of the lessons that she's learned, how to find the best deals, commercial versus residential, how to raise money so that you aren't putting your own money into real estate deals, and then of course, how to scale your portfolio, and also why sometimes realtors can make the best investors. So if you are a realtor, if you have your real estate license, that's also an interesting point to just listen to. Uh, We also spoke about the investor community. So she has a mission to transform lives through real estate. She's 
stood behind that mission and used that mission to drive everything she does. This is why she built the community. This is why she built her podcast, which is a highly successful podcast, as well as why she wrote her book. So we spoke about community building, how to build a proper community, how to build a mission-driven community, how to set up the community so that they all support each other, so that they learn from each other, and that it fosters growth for community members, which ultimately will build the community and help your business, help your brand, help your name, but most importantly, help the people that you're trying to serve. So a lot of great investing and real estate investing tips, a lot of great community building tips. Uh, she also spoke about her podcast, her book, and what she's done to launch these assets against her community. And if you do have a personal brand or a business, you can learn some lessons there. So let's jump right into it. This is Liz Faircloth. She is the co-founder of the DeRosa Group. She is the co-founder CEO of the Real Estate Invest Her community. She's a published author, and she's the co-host of the Real Estate Invest Her podcast and show. So, hey, Scott. Um, so a little bit about myself, uh, you know, in terms of like where I grew up, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, you know, as a Jersey girl. I live in Pennsylvania now, so I'm not a Jersey girl anymore, but I think I'm just have it in my blood. <laughs> um, and actually got my school, I got my training in psychology. I wanted to be, I was a psych major in college and then I wanted to be a um, social worker. So I wanted to get my, I was very focused on getting my license, master's degree in social work and opening a practice and counseling people. And um, it's funny because during that time, I took a, I was at the University of Pennsylvania and there's two interesting like pivots that happened during that time. Cause I was really focused on, on opening a practice. My brother-in-law, who was literally the only entrepreneur I knew um, ever <laughs> gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was, you know, 21. And he said, you have to read this book. And I'm like, Okay, you know, if you say so. And I like personal development books, so it wasn't that weird, but um, that really opened my eyes to, you know, so many things I wasn't familiar with, you know, passive income and uh, entrepreneurship and having money work for you and just things I wasn't even raised to even have any realm of possibility. Simultaneously, while I was at the school, University of Pennsylvania, so I was literally at the best uh, business school, Wharton. Now, I wasn't going to get my MBA, but I was literally like, it was a, the school social work and right next to it was this, was the Wharton School, which was like an enormous, beautiful building. And the poor school of social work building was like this older, like one of the oldest buildings on campus. Like, so we don't have to get into that dichotomy. But anyway, um, <laughs> while I was there, I met my, my advisor and I said, hey, I want to take an entrepreneur class because I read this book and I'm like, I don't know anything about this. And she's like, why? You're in the school of social work. And I'm like, I just really am moved to, to take a class. I'm here at University of Penn for only two years. So I did. And I um, took a class on starting a business. And the business I started uh, 20 years ago <laughs> was, a, was, a, was a business about um, helping women and empower women. And at the time, it was focused on their mental health because that's the, that's the work I was, I was involved in. But I wanted to create an organization to support women and empower them. So literally 20 years later, right, I, I actually started an organization that a company for women. But I think that's interesting. And then that, that whole experience, um, I ended up getting a sales job, consulting slash sales job after grad school to learn the ropes like Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about. If you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to learn how to sell. And so I didn't end up opening a practice or actually even using my master's degree in social work. Um, 
Technically, I think I am. I think I'm my schooling and my way of being as a social worker. It, it always um, it always permeates somehow. Everything it does, and yeah. I feel like I am. You know, but I in terms of like what most of my all of my classmates are doing, yeah, I'm I'm not the traditional. But um, but anyway, that's kind of what prompted me to do the work I was doing. At the same time, my husband and I started um, investing, and we bought our first property and. And we're focused on multifamily syndications now. But yeah, so that's just a little bit about how I started and some of the seeds that were born there. I see it. So you see, it's so funny. Like when you when you walk back through someone's life, like you see all these different seeds that have now led to like who they are today. But every everything, like every single thing that you've done in your life has found a way to manifest in like mm -hmm. in quite literally your current, you know, your current initiative, your current vision, your mission, whatever you want to call it. Um so walk me through even like the start of your real estate career, because I, I would say like that real estate is obviously a core component of of mm -hmm. your persona, like who you are. Mm -hmm. And and that started probably with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You yep. said you you bought your first duplex. So mm -hmm. what was that process like getting into the financial independence game? Yeah, we knew nothing about it. We had no one that <laughs> so owned any scary. property. <laughs> we were in our 20s, me and my husband, boyfriend at the time. And, um, you know, we'd get together and start dating. And I'm like, you got to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's funny because people are like, oh, did Matt get you in real estate? I'm like, no, I got him involved in real estate. And, um, but I gave him the Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he was like, his mind was blown too. And just, you know, very open to that. We ended up taking about a year of courses. We went to the local RIA meetings. That's really, it was DIG. Um, they're still an organization, really good organization. And every guru in, guru in town came, you know, uh, Carlton Sheets, like old school, right? Nothing was online. They gave you these binders, right? So I'm, I'm dating myself. But anyway, um, you know, we learned a lot. And then in a year in, we, um, one of the strategies was to call for an ads. And they said, go around, call for rent ads. And if it's a duplex, literally half their property is vacant and they might be motivated to sell. So that was the strategy. We did a lot of cold calling. We walked around neighborhoods, knocked on doors. I mean, we literally did everything that they said to do, right? Got doors slammed in our face. Um, and that's what we did every weekend together while we were dating. So we found our first duplex and because of a for ad and um, we didn't have the money to buy it. So we, uh, my father loaned us about $30,000 and uh, that, that kind of took care of the down payment. Property was about 150,000, um, little row home in uh, Roxborough, right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, 15,000 was about rehab and 15 was, was the down payment. And so, um, you know, wrote up an agreement, paid him, I think 6%, which was really amazing uh, interest and started our journey. Um, and that just kind of got us in the game. We learned a lot. And then really focused on growing our business in New Jersey um, and really got our, our focus on uh, Trenton, New Jersey in particular. That's where we bought all of our initial properties um, and then kind of grew from there for our other, other markets, other regions. But we were always about like, how do we make a difference and also, you know, um, make money? And so and, our motto is always transforming yeah. lives through real estate. Um, we did it in Trenton initially, and then we kind of expanded that in, in working with our investors and, and just trying to do good do do good things and also make make money so that was kind of always what we've wanted and have done in 15 what 16 years of investing and building a business but um it, you know it wasn't a it wasn't a direct you know path if you will there was a lot of ups and downs a lot of learned lessons um 
a lot of, you know, tough things that happened over the years. But I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Factor. Now, it's a new year. I'm busy. I always, always, always am running out of time. So when it comes to meals, I don't want to wait in line at a grocery store. I don't want to even have to drive if I don't have to. And I definitely don't want to spend a ton of time cooking in the kitchen. But now I don't have to meal plan or prep thanks to Factor. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7. They deliver fresh, never frozen prepared meals that are so delicious you won't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves time by delivering chef-crafted meals directly to my door, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping, meal prep, but most importantly, eliminating the hassle of cleaning. And they have 27 meal options every single week, so I can guarantee you're not gonna be bored. They also offer tons of great nutritional additions. They have vegan and veggie meals. They have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and what really whatever you want to keep you fueled and focused all through the day. If you want to try out Factor, they've set up a special code just for Success Story podcast listeners. So head over to go.factor75.com slash plans. That is go.factor75.com slash plans. Use the code SUCCESS120. That's going to give you $120 off your first five weeks of meals. Remember, that is code SUCCESS120 at go.factor75.com slash plans for $120 off. So as you as you grew this portfolio, um, walk me through um, the growth of the portfolio, maybe some of the lessons that you learned when you're yeah. first getting into the market, because I think obviously if anybody's listening to this and they're listening to you buying your first duplex, that's the step that they haven't taken yet that they maybe want to take. They want to start investing, mm -hmm. getting into the market. And if there are some tenured real estate investors here, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just <laughs> generalizing, but um, I would say people want to take that first step and then grow that portfolio, even if, for example, they are working a job and they don't want to go into mm -hmm. real estate full-time yeah. just yet. So what are what are some of the lessons that you've learned as you've yeah. grown this and portfolio? That was one of, what was that? That was one of the big things that we did early on, Scott, was at the time that we bought, we started buying property um, and we did whatever we could to figure out how to finance properties, right? It wasn't like we were just sitting on all this cash. We were in our 20s. We didn't have much money, quite honestly, and um, just kind of figured it out. So we were doing a lot of different things, uh, active, you know, active projects, whole everything, literally under the sun, doing some flips. And so, you know, in hindsight, right, had we just focused on multifamily, because that was our first deal. And we did well with, with that first duplex. Had we just focused on that niche and just did that, I think our trajectory have, would have been different. I don't want to say better because I think we are who we are and I mm -hmm. think our path is our path. And I think it, it adds a lot of um, color to our story. But we got involved in flips. We got involved in buying a commercial building. We got involved in raw land. Um, we were all over the place, quite honestly. So um, I, don't, I don't know if most people would do that. I would hope they don't do that. But we were also pretty young. And I think some being a little naive and being a little bit of a risk taker and saying, what's the worst that can happen? Not having much to lose. You do things like that, quite honestly. I mean, you know, and um, would I do that now in my 40s? No, <laughs> obviously. Um, I've become more, in a lot of ways, my husband and I have grown significantly, but we actually become more conservative, right? We're, we're a little smarter, a little more, less naive. So a couple of learned lessons too is, is market you can only participate in a market. You can't change a market. And that was a learned lesson for us because 
markets are everything. And, and so many times people get involved in investing and they get so fixated on the property. They get so fixated on knowing everything about that one property. Yet when you ask them questions about the market or the area, they just can't answer them. And I think if you're going to know a lot about something, know a lot about the market versus the deal or the property itself. Um, you want to know a lot about both, to be honest, of course. But so many times that this pendulum is so much on the 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 deal versus the market. So didn't know that at the beginning. We were so focused on the property. Oh, we can renovate this. This is really cheap. We can really make this amazing. Um, and we really wanted to make a big difference in Trenton. And we were so optimistic. And we are still. I mean, we're still actually building a 40-unit building there. So we're still active investors there. Um but you can't change a whole market. And I think that's that was one of the biggest learned lessons is that when we go into new markets, we're like, where can we participate? Where is this like an up and coming market? Where is this, um, is there affordable housing here? Not affordable housing in a technical sense, but are people able to afford where they live? Um, is there movement coming here? Supply, demand, uh, jobs, growth, all the things that are so important, none of which we were even considering quite honestly when we started. We were just like, can we make a difference and, and make a big, you know, make, and is there a lot of properties to buy that we can renovate? Well, check those two boxes. But uh, in hindsight, we were a little more optimistic because we thought we could make a bigger difference than we actually could. You just can't change a whole city. You can't just change a whole area unless, you know, you have billions of dollars, which is awesome. We don't and we didn't. So, um, so anyway, that's a big learn lesson and, and, and is something we take into all of our investments now. And when you say, and I'm just curious because you mentioned something before about you sort of like your, your mission as you go, as you grew your real estate portfolio, you did say you want to transform lives through real estate. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that a few times. So what does transforming lives through real estate actually mean? Because people just think, yeah, oh, I want to get into real estate. I don't want to, I want to transform my life. I just, <laughs> that's, that's the first life I want to transform. But how do you actually, how do you actually action that and maybe people that are going into investing maybe can think of more than just a, a selfish reason day one because that's an interesting i've never I've spoken to a lot of real estate people and i've never heard them say that they're very tactical they're very tangible i want you know if you have this sure. you can make this you know monthly recurring revenue on this property or whatever you can go into short-term rentals and and that's like a financial incentive or financial game mm -hmm. but what does transforming lives mean to you yeah and and you know it's a good question i mean i again my background social work, right? Um, so so the idea of making a difference and making money was really important to both me and my husband. I think tangibly what it means, and there's so much research that shows this too, is that this whole idea of like businesses being socially responsible, right? And it's a catchphrase now. And quite honestly, people are just like, ah, we do good, we do good work, we give back because they just want to look good. Um, we started when we had nothing with that vision, quite honestly. It wasn't to look good. It was really because it was, it was part of our values. So what does that look like? You know, you have to really look at who your customers are. And so many people don't know who they're serving. And so if you're in service to other people and you're growing an investment portfolio, I don't see how you can't do that. I don't see how you can have strong a strong investment in real estate, a property that's thriving and not be in service to those people. Like I don't, I don't know many investors um, and, and maybe they just don't think in that term, that way um, when they just look at the, the, the income and the expenses and the NOI and all the good stuff we have to look at as investors. But if you're actually not treating those customers, tenants, residents, whatever, they're, you know, wh whomever you, and I like residents because it feels, it feels a little more like they're your customer, um, you know, you have to play that, that, that are in the arena of, you know, how do we serve them? Of course, having rules and policies and procedures, 
we used to give welcome baskets. I mean, my husband and I went above and beyond, you know, early on. Um, we were like, we're not making any money here. We got to scale back a little with our welcome baskets because they're a little above and beyond. But it was always those ideas of serving our our, our, our tenants. Um, we always, we've been building, um, buying more property with investors, right? With passive investors. Um, we started on uh, 2000 and, oh my you know, parents and close family were our first, but but in terms of non-family was really 2010. We have over 200 investors now, right? That's a huge customer of ours. We're serving them. So how do we do that? Um, you know, that that's how you, we tr we're transforming their lives. We had an investor tell us the other day, um, we're selling a building and with the, they're doubling their money. And with that money, his wife is going to be able to retire. Like that's transformation. Like that's neat. You know, really, that, we've had that's tenants. true transformation, life change. Yeah, it's true transformation. Yeah. So it's, I think when we, when we get out of ourselves and go into other people and who you're serving investors, uh, tenants, we have a lot of commercial tenants, businesses have started and thrived in our buildings. That's transformation. Um, you know, we've cleaned up blocks, especially in Trenton, where, you know, we have buildings on one one street where there's a uh, pharmacy on the, it was a dilapidated building that, you know, just had trash in front of it. Now it has a pharmacy and it has three tenants. That's transformation, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, it's really like those those very specific ways that you're you're using real estate in its highest and best use for whom you're serving and, and you'll be able to make the profits accordingly. Um I don't know how to do, I don't know how to do one or the other. Um, now I'm not saying all of our properties have always done both because you can do one or the other. You can transform people's lives and not make any money and you can make money and eventually you're going to, it's going to catch up where you're just not serving who you're serving. So I, you know, I think when you can put those two together, uh, everyone will uh, benefit, you know. I love that. And I, I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pull out things that I've, I, I noticed that are very, not entirely unique to to you and, and and what you do but i i think that they're unique enough in the real estate game or they're unique that many people don't talk about them so i i love that and by the way i think i'm i'm in agreement with that and i think that's actually very important because i think that actually drives you to do better work to operate at a more ethical high level um which i think is good for any industry but i think that that's probably why you've been so successful because you do have that vision from day one so that's sort of like the the lesson that i'm trying to impart on people is to don't go into things for the wrong reasons. Like maybe if you are going to be going into the business of, you know, owning things that people live in, it shouldn't just be to fund your own retirement. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably a better, a better reason to go into it. Um, one thing that you speak about a lot as well, which again, I don't speak, I don't hear people in real estate speak about this that often is teams. I think that's an interesting uh, component. And I've heard you on other shows um, saying that it's virtually impossible to scale without the right team in place. So first of all, how do you find the right team? What's what's your formula for that? And also, uh, why is it more difficult to scale without a team? If I, just in myself, if I have investors, if if I have like a mortgage broker, if I have a real estate agent, or I guess I could be the real estate agent myself, why can't I just have like a, a, a small few people that I can rely on? Yeah, so for, for us, so a couple of things. When I, my husband and I decided to, he, he quit his job. I'm just going to bring you back to just yeah. why I know a lot about this topic. Um, he, he quit his job. At the same time, we got married, literally the same month, 2005. We're like, get married. And he quit his job. He's like, I'm doing this full time. We're like, yeah, you do it full time. We're like making no money anywhere. It's just funny what you know you, you think about yeah. in hindsight. But anyway, um, at the same time, I got a job in consulting. And the, and what the work I did was I was a um, 
and I stayed there for a decade. So I, as we grew our business and we grew our, our portfolio, I was, you know, you know, paying our bills and, and, and allowing us to keep investing in our business. So, um, so anyway, long story short, I did consulting in, I was, a, I was an expert in a personality assessment called the predictive index. So it's basically a measurement of people's kind of natural tendencies, their natural behaviors. So what I did across the country, and I had a lot of, you know, clients, small and large, um, was basically I did consulting around putting the right teams together, right? And, and counseling the CEOs and the leaders, how they can manage people, how they can put the right people in the right seat um, based on personality and, and everything. So that was just the context I came from for over a decade. So as I talk about this, that's, you know, where, where, where that kind of comes from. Um, now then to combine that with what I know in real estate and how important it is that to have teams, um, what really got us moving in that direction was we, um, we had a team locally and we were managing everything ourselves, over 100 units in, in the New Jersey area. And we bought our first kind of like out of state hour and a half away property, which was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So we started to learn the power of scaling, but not being able to do everything ourselves. And so at the time, you know, that's what really caused us as we started to move out of state, we needed to build like, you know, virtual, virtual teams where we're not going to see them all the time or not be with them all the time. But you can apply this when you have teams in place. I always say there's three pieces of like, you know, Who Not How is a great book right now where, you know, I, I know a lot of people have been reading it by Dan Sullivan about, I want to accomplish this and we think how versus who. So the first question is who, but to get even more refined there, um, what skills do they need? What experience do they need? And what type of personality do they need? And most people think about skills and experience, even if you wanted to hire a VA um, or just even a mortgage broker, right? Think about that or or a commercial broker. We often think, do they have the experience to be someone I can use as on my team? And often people forget that how important it is to have diversity of personality. Um, I did an exercise when I did team buildings and stuff. I did an exercise and I put all the same personality style together. And then I would put different types of teams together because this is a statistically driven graph. So I can see if I have 10 people, I know who the extroverts are. I know who the, you know, the dominant people are. I know, you know, I know that. So um, I always was very mindful of that. And I put these teams together. Well, you know who you usually got the activity done the fastest? It was never diverse. It was a diverse diverse group of multiple personalities, I'm assuming. Yes and no. So the worst performing group and the best performing group was the diverse groups. Okay. The ones that were... the ones that were similar kind of always just, you know, the dominant people, no one listened. The the really quiet people were all just looking at each other and no one was really jumping in. That was a disaster. But the best performing team was diverse. So they had different styles. There's like a task person and an extrovert. But the worst performing team, when you don't value diversity, you can kind of go like this. Mm-hmm. You think about people that are very different from you. You don't naturally attract to them, you know, a networking event. So... So if you don't know that and don't appreciate it and leverage the difference, that's the rub in a sense. And that's what will prevent you from really optimizing. So it's one thing to have different personalities on a team, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to guarantee you success. So that's the kind of work that I I did. And that's the kind of work that we're very mindful of, especially as we've grown our multifamily team. And also I apply this with with building our investor team because we have, you know, started with me and my partner. So the biggest thing, though, is we do like people like ourselves. We're just, we're just naturally inclined. If you're an extroverted, outgoing person and you go to an event, especially now as people are you know, doing more and more and like we finally can interact, um, 
you're going to like people like yourself. And those are never the right partners for you, quite honestly. Um, they're usually the ones that you like, but then you're like, you know, too, too, too much the same. So again, I, I can't value that. I can't stress that enough is that most people devalue personality. They think it's just such something nice to have, something nice to know. And then they look at skills and experience. And the reason why people don't work is usually because of personality. It's usually because of behavior. So we don't value it. We don't even look at it. But yet it's the reason that people usually don't work together very well or stay together very well or thrive together. Because um, we don't want to tolerate people. I mean, who wants to tolerate people? You want to thrive with people, right? I mean, and that's what that's what I'm very mindful of. And I'm not perfect at it. You know, I have my own personality traits that I, <laughs> I have to work on. And I learn a lot. Like me and my husband are very similar. So when we work together, I can't just work side by side with my husband because we're so similar. It, it's like redundancy, quite honestly. So I'm like, so when I found Andressa and we started building out our Invest Her group and our community, it was refreshing because she's a very different personality to me than me. So it didn't feel redundant. It didn't feel like, so, and I think about that. I didn't realize this for many years and I'm married to my husband. I mean, I know him very well. <laughs> So anyway, that, that's a few thoughts there. Skills, no, it, experience, it, it, and personality. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Ladder. Now, over the past two years and a bit, I'm sure we've all realized that how precious and fragile life can be. And the last thing that you want to be worried about when something horrible happens is how you're going to afford it. And that's why I am a firm believer in life insurance so that if something does happen, you're not passing those costs onto your kids or your family. Now, if you're asking yourself, how do I find affordable long-term coverage? How do I find affordable monthly that can protect my family from anything that happens? Well, the answer to that question would be ladder. Because if you wait longer, life insurance does cost more money. So when you set term coverage when you're young, you can get incredible coverage for a relatively low price. And Ladder is 100% digital. So no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million or less, you can just do it online. Need a few minutes, phone, and a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. If you prefer to talk to somebody, they also do have a team of licensed agents. They don't work on commission, so they'll help you. They won't upsell you. There's no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time, and you can get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. And Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're all rated A and A plus by AM Best. So finally, Ladder is offering an option for people that want to protect their family that want to start getting behind life insurance at a younger age. So if you want to see if you're instantly approved, you can go to ladderlife.com slash success story. You'll see if you're instantly approved. That is ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R, life.com slash success story. That's ladderlife.com slash success story. I think it's really interesting. And, I, and I'm just, I want to just ask one more question on this, on this because I see that a lot of companies, it, it happens a lot where they're like, oh, you know, we want a cultural fit. And they confuse cultural fit with we're just hiring somebody the same. And mm -hmm. I always challenge that and say you don't want somebody who just fits the existing culture but augments and adds on to it. That's a true cultural fit. So when somebody augments or adds on, by definition, they're bringing something new to the table that isn't right. already there. So, but to to double down on your point where you had these two separate groups where one was all diverse individuals, different personalities that didn't work. And then one was when you're looking for a partner or you're looking for a member of the team, how do you figure out if that person will detract or augment? 
it will add on to who you are. I, you know, let's, let's go with partners, right? Because partners are, are, are like, it's a business marriage, right? Yeah. It's a little deeper than say someone who's going to be your mortgage broker. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would put those on the same level of yeah, yeah, like sure. intensity. So let's go down the partner path. Um, when you have somebody that's very different, I'm, I'm, I'm much more, I'll just give you some examples. Cause I think we know, we know this, we, we learn best by like stories. So I'm much more extroverted. I like people. I trust people naturally. Again, that's gotten me into trouble, right? Every strength overused becomes a weakness. But anyway, um, I, you know, I have tons of ideas. I love building relationships. That's something, a strength of mine, right? That's who I, I, I want to be, who I am. My, my partner, Andressa especially, is much more task-oriented. She's much more strategic, um, much more um, analytical. She's much more logical. I'm much more subjective. So while that's a great complementary match, we, um, we have different ways of approaching things. Well, Will, her and I will interact. And when we've had breakdowns, if you will, she'll give me some information. And, and I'm thinking it in between the lines. And I'm reading in between the lines. And she's literally just telling me, something, right? So we've had to work through that. So the the way you go from the best performing team or the worst performing team with different, because you can have two people like us who over time just say we can't work together anymore. So her and I, though, when we started, we value the same things. We also are very into growth and we're able to come together. And every time we have a breakdown, we have a breakthrough as a partner partnership because we really want to create a culture of everything's not going to be perfect. We're growing. We have a lot of things going on. We started this as a passion. Now it's a business. All of our roles are shifting. Like it's a, it's a lot happening, right? In a few years that we've been in existence. So we have very open and honest conversations and we're able to both take responsibility for where we can get better. So um, every time we have a breakdown, we have like a, we put a new something in place, a term or a boundary or, hey, this is what I really need from you. If you don't have that with a partner, it's just not going to, it's just not going to work or you're not going to have a like high performance team. That's my opinion. You'll have a okay partnership and maybe you'll make a lot of money together or not. I don't know. But, um, I think that's the difference is open communication, being willing to grow and learn together. Um, and it's hard, right? I mean, like, think about it. It's like, who wants to like look at themselves in the mirror all the time, right? And when we all think we're all great all the time, you know, um, but that's where growth happens, you know, and that, that's where you're able to like, you know, what, I could be doing this better. You know, what do you need from me? What do I need from you? No, so. good, good advice. Um, okay. Let's, let's uh, move on to investor. Cause that's the, that's where you're at right now um, with the podcast. Uh, obviously it's a, I think it's a culmination of, it seems like women empowerment, real estate, investing, like everything you've done over your life, you decided to do a show, build a brand around it. So walk me through the process, the thought process. Why did you want to do investor? Um, why did you want to focus on women empowerment and investing? What was, what was your process for that? Yeah, sure. So, so the same, about six years ago, I met my, my partner now and Jessa and, um, became really good friends with her, you know, and her husband. And, and we would, and we then partnered on some deals. So we started as friends, as they say, started to get to know each other. We actually started a women's mastermind long before invest her. So we both were always very pulled to um, bringing women together to support each other and have each other's backs. So that was always something that we both valued. Um, and then we started partnering together on some flips and some um, new construction projects in Philadelphia. They were local to Philadelphia and we were in, in uh, New Jersey at the time. So we really got a chance to partner um, on, on a number of projects together. 
And we get together talking about these projects, me and Andressa, and it almost we'd have our own little mastermind. And we would, we would just always say over it, we'd be talking about kids or, you know, just having a lot on our plates or just the things that, you know, um, we were experiencing. And we were, we'd almost like, where are there other women like us? You know, and, and, and I, I, there are women, but we'd love to like create something where, where we can really bounce things off of each other and um, bring other women together. And, you know, especially women that are, that are new or experienced, everyone can give something, everyone can get something as that's my philosophy. So we Googled it and we really couldn't find much. We couldn't find many groups. We couldn't find many resources uh, at the time. And we were both very, like, from different reasons, very passionate about seeing women um, become financially independent. And, and you know, now that I'm, I'm in this space of, of, you know, thought leadership and, and women in investing, the statistics and the information out there is crazy. Like, women, number one, women outlive men, six to seven years, right? So if you're in a traditional relationship, not saying everyone is, if you're in a traditional relationship, you're going to outlive your spouse, right, uh, in, in, a, in a sense, um, so the need for financial resources becomes even more important, um, you know, and that's number one. Number two, statistically, um, and, and, and this is, I think, wealth simple, I forget the source, but they said that women outperform men as investors by 40%. So when women invest, they actually do very well. They tend to be a little more conservative. Um, they may not jump in as fast, but there's a conservativeness. But once they do it, they're out there, the, the, they pick the right investments. So then the next, the next part, though, is women invest less than men by 40%. So for every man that's investing, women are doing a lot less. So for those reasons, just the, the okay, women are going to outlive men. When they invest, they do it so well, <laughs> yeah. yet we're just not doing it enough. So what, why is that? I mean, I, and again, I'm not here to solve the whole problem. Um, there's a lot smarter people than me to do all that. But what I can say, now that we have a, a community and we have a membership and we have a podcast, highlighting women's stories uh, and their journeys and having a, a community that they feel safe to ask questions and get support in the way they need to get support. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be important. Um, you know, Scott, I didn't know if a lot of women needed this. I know I wanted it. I know Andressa did, and we both were experienced investors. But the amount of women who just feel so comfortable, um, we have 9,000 women in our Facebook community, you know, and wow, our podcast has over 200 episodes and we have meetups and we have 52 meetups across the country where women are coming together to support each other. So I, there is a need and there is a there is a, an, an important kind of um, niche that we've filled and that we're filling. Um, and I, I think it's uh, not everyone can understand it. I have I have women, especially women, uh, don't see the need for our for our community. You know, uh, actually, men are more supportive and sometimes and, and mo most women are very supportive. I don't mean to say, but there are certain women uh, and I've gotten the feedback. They don't see the need. And I always say back to that is that there is a need um, because we want to see women keynoting more. We want to see women not just on panels um, and we don't want to just be asked about how to, how is it to be a woman in investing? You know, like it, it, it's it's that's not the right conversation. Not that it's a bad one, but it's all about like seeing yourself and other people. Um, getting the confidence, getting the, the the clarity, getting the support, and then going and making it happen with men, women, anywhere. It's not like we just have to create this little secret society and we huddle up and never talk to men. You know, that's just weird, right? That doesn't happen. So, anyway, that's that's the reasoning. That's the the the, the really the 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 kind of the motivation for us. Um, and no, I was just going to say. Well, I think that 
it, if you look at just the data points, it's obviously required. It's obviously needed if you're saying that um, women are investing at forty percent less than than men. Like, it just seems like it's like a, it's like a, education um, making somebody feel like psychologically safe to do something, to feel okay doing something. I yeah. think that it's 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 important. Um, and I think that you, you know uh, any any initiative that builds a community around it that supports that, like we're not we're not there where it's an irrelevant community. Like we're not at the point where, you know, we have you, data points obviously are, are quite obvious. We haven't reached parity in everything that we do. So until that's, until we're at that point, we still have to build communities to support this. And I think that's probably an, an incredible initiative that you're doing right now. And even like the book that you wrote, um, it also focuses on that. I think a lot of it is just normalizing. It's just all about normalizing. So if somebody hasn't invested, doesn't know somebody that invests, like they're less likely to invest, exactly. right? So if they see people that are out there that are successful, women that are investing, uh, groups of women that are incredibly successful investing, that's just going to like enable that, enable that behavior, enable that mindset, and then everybody wins at the end of the day. And that's actually incredible. I didn't know the stat that they they do forty percent, they do forty percent better, which I'm assuming could be tied to some sort of like less emotional investing because. I could see, I could totally see that. I think, yeah, I, could, I think it's more conservative too, where where some people who are, you know, if you think about it, like, and again, this, not all women are conservative, but they conservatively invest. It, it, there is a piece to that. Yeah. So they're slower, but yeah. yet when they do it, it's the right, because they've thought about it. They've, you know, you know, that. Another interesting statistic, but short-term rentals in Airbnb, 55% are female. Really? So you see the pendulum different in that niche. And then you think about why that is. And it's just, that's neat, you know, because so many, um, it's concierge, it's, it's, yeah. it's service. Um, it's, it's, you know, uh, and, and just interesting. It's an interesting statistic. And they're, I mean, you think about that niche right now, right? I mean, everyone, especially since COVID, um, everyone in, in, in the real estate investing world, especially if you're multifamily or anything, you're like, oh, I got to buy a short-term rental. I got to do, I got to get a vacation rental. Like I feel that too, you know, in, in some ways of being in the market. So but yeah, I was talking with a few people. I think it was Avery Carl who just wrote a book for uh, Bigger Pockets. Um, yeah. And she said, you know, it's 55%. I said, that's that's pretty cool. That is very cool. Can I can I ask um, just advice for people that want to build a community? Because you've also done a great job at that. Mm -hmm. So you started this yeah. podcast after very successful real estate career. And now it's part of Bigger Pockets. And now you have a book. And now you have a community of 9,000 people on Facebook. So how did you do that? I'm going to take notes for me. So how did, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, there's, there's people who jump into things and then there's people who are really intentional, right? And there's no right and wrong because I think you can add value. I think you can be successful either way. But I, I know for me and Andressa, we did the amount of exercises and intention we thought about and, and the intentions we kind of like the brainstorms. I mean, we talked about this and brainstormed it in a way that I don't know if most people would, to be honest. So we were really like mindful. Um, when we came together, we said we both were very passionate about, you know, empowering women and serving women in this niche. Um, we then got more refined, you know, who are these women? What's their age? Like, what are their pains? What are their challenges? Um, what keeps them up at night? You know, because uh, you can't serve everyone. So getting really clear on who you want to serve is the, the most important thing, I, I believe. So we were really clear. We wanted women who were either experienced, had some deals under their belt, 
Um, and if they were new to investing, they had they were professional women. They were business women. They're entrepreneurs. They had you know experience. Uh, they literally weren't just waking up thinking this, this is a good idea. That's not our avatar necessarily. And so we got really clear. And then we also said, do we start a community? Do we start meetups? Do we start a conference? Do we start a podcast? And so we did this exercise um, and we talked about, it's called, totally made it up and you can totally, anyone can take this and please steal it, but it's called analyzing your top moments in life. So if you think back on your life and you say, what were those moments that were like top, you know, like the, just the best moments of my life, you know, birth of children and all those things are amazing. And I don't mean to dismiss those, but we were trying like, okay, besides the family events, which was, which are amazing for me, just personally, what, like, what comes up for you? And, and what were those moments that you just felt most joy, most happiness? Um, there's no sense of time. It came easy to you. Like, what were those times? And so her and I both, interestingly, did this exercise and then came back together and talked about it. And I remember doing this. And my answers were like, I love inspiring people. And I love to be inspired. I love both. I love personal growth. I love learning about myself and growing and figuring myself out. And I love helping other people. I love inspiring people. It's like, what gives me life? And anything I've ever done, in any walk I've ever taken, she said she was very similar in that. So we were like, we got to start a podcast because a podcast literally does that, right? You're interviewing people, you're talking to people, and you're helping other people along the way. So that's how we chose to figure out, to focus on our podcast initially. Um, then we said simultaneously, let's start a Facebook community. Because the last thing you want is to be like talking to people. And, you know, for me, I'm an extrovert. I got to talk. To, I got to be engaged with people. I can't just like, you know, talk to a camera. Um, so then we started a Facebook group simultaneously. And then we started as a passion. We didn't even start a company. We didn't start an LLC. We didn't start anything. It was just like, let's do this and see. And if six months, we give this a six month go. And, it, and if literally... Um, it's just not going anywhere, then then we've given this our all. And we said that at the beginning. We're like, we're giving this six months. We're not gonna even, we're not even gonna do anything like we're not even gonna think about stopping. And you know, and we edited all of our own podcasts and wrote all of our show notes for a hundred episodes. <laughs> so we we did that way too long. But that's I feel story. your pain. <laughs> that's another story. You know, you got two very hardworking women who think they can do everything, which we were learning not to do, right? Trying to delegate and yeah. automate, all that good stuff. So long story short. Building the community then is more than a Facebook group, right? Um, it's about listening to people. It's about asking questions. It's um, women Women would post in there, you know, hey, is anyone in this area? Do you want to get together? And we're like, I'm like, Andressa, we were both talking. We're like, let's start a meetup in Philly. So her and I led the meetup. We were the leaders. And then we'd have other women saying in other parts of our, the country, hey, we want to do a meetup. And we're like, oh, this is interesting. And so then we like, okay, let's go all in. And now it's two and a half years ago, you know, and we have 53 meetups, which is built community. We never asked anyone for a dime, you know? And then, so, and that was, you know, people are like, oh, you, you waited a long time. When are you going to monetize? When are you going to monetize? I'm like, I just want to help people. We just, A, I want to help people and serve them. And then until there's a reason to charge someone for something, then, then we'll make that, make that call. Like so many people think about making money and not really providing a, a value. Uh, you, I don't know how to do that if you don't do the value part. So we'd hear a lot of women saying, God, there's so many gurus out there. There's so many people that, you know, that they're charging all this crazy money for coaching and this and that, and not that there's a lot of good ones out there, but they're like, 
Andres and I came together, what could we build that's different and uh, is needed? And that's something that aligns with what we're trying to build here. So we created more of like a membership mentorship kind of um, program, which is like more of like a, um, you know, a monthly membership where women come in and they get mentorship. They get a chance to be part of like a six month pod on syndication or multifamily. Um, we're on a mastermind with them once a month. They, you know, write out their goals and we hold them accountable to their goals. And then they help each other. It's like a community, right? It's like a, it's a mini community that women to take things deeper. We've about 70 members right now and, um, and we're, we're growing that, but it, that came out of being asked to do it. That didn't come out of like me just sitting in my office thinking about things I can offer. Um, we did a summit. We've done two summits um, and we have sponsors and we're going to be doing our first in-person next June. Um, but we've done two virtual ones. So I think that's important though, Scott. I think people want to build communities, but they don't know why. They want to build communities. They don't know for who. Um, I think the more laser focused you are, I'm the avatar. So is Andressa. Like I, not that I, I I'm, I'm experienced in investing. We're growing our, we're still active investors though. Me and my husband, you know, we have a portfolio and we're, we're still in the business. It's not like we're done with that. Um, and I, and I think that's, you know, you, we attract more people like that who are like serious women who want to get things done and, and want to do it in a way that's balanced and have, has self-care at the prominence. It's not just this like doing it to do it. Cause that's the other part of our mission. It's not just real estate investing education. You can get that anywhere, but how do you do it in, in the realm of, everything else in your life and, and doing it in a way that's there's a lot of self-care. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, the new year might have you thinking ahead to what you want out of your career. So when you think about your success story, what do you actually picture? Is it retiring early with a beautiful view of the skyline? Is it leaving a legacy with your name on it? Or maybe it's helping influence and change some of the world's most pressing issues. Whatever it is, writing your success story starts by working smart because when you work smart your success story writes itself a hubspot crm platform helps your marketing campaigns work harder and smarter with intuitive visual workflows and bot builders you can create scalable automated campaigns across email social media web and chat so your customers hear your messages loud and clear are you tired of your content not adapting to mobile making it difficult for your customers to absorb your message a hubspot crm platform optimizes your content for multiple devices so that you can reach your customers wherever they are which is just smart learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a hubspot crm at hubspot.com you, know, you led with the same with the same mindset that you had when you started off in real estate investing which was you're leading to help people and then look at what look at what the end result is the summits the the meetups the facebook group the mentorship and now you can create a community around that but it it was like it, the purpose drives everything the purpose yeah. drives out and the purpose probably stops you from burning out when there is no momentum day one because you still know that you have that purpose so you know when things aren't moving as quick as you want them to move if you have that purpose it's easier to keep going versus if you just do it for the money and you don't see any signups or whatnot, or you don't see people joining your Facebook group, and you don't really have a purpose, you don't have that reason, um, that's hard to keep going. So that's something important too for people that are trying to start this. I think too, Scott, for any community, I think there's a distinction because I see a lot of people on Facebook, of course. Um, it's never been about me and Andressa. Like we're not the gurus. Mm -hmm. It's not like you join this membership and you have daily coaching calls with us. Um, there's pod mentors. We have seven other women who know more about short-term rentals, about 
uh, creative financing. It's, it's, it's a community. We always wanted to build, a, like it's not the Liz and Andressa show. And I, I think there's a distinction there. I think there's certain, there's certain educational you know, frameworks out there that are very person-centric. Now we're the leaders and I, I have, we have a presence in what we're doing. I don't mean to say it like that, mm-hmm. but we always had a vision of like a circle and we want the circle to be really big, but it's, you know, if people know me or not, but they know our community, that's more important. And I'm just, and I always said that from when we started. And I think that's very important. If you're building a community, you cannot be like egocentric in my opinion. It's really hard to have both. So if you want to build a coaching mod- module and you're the you're the gee, if you will, then yeah. then build build that. But don't build a community too, because it's it's going to become less about you, and people aren't going to know you, and that and that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Quite honestly, yeah. <laughs> now, I have a podcast, right? I don't mean to say it like I don't want anyone to know me, but that's not as important to me, you know. As women get what they need at a meetup, whether they know I'm one of the founders or not. I mean, you know, nice for my ego, but I want her to become financially free. That's yeah. the more important part. Very smart. Okay. Um, okay, I want to ask some rapid fire questions yeah. to, to close this out. Uh, but most importantly, if people are wanting to check out the podcast, get the book or contact you, reach you on social, where should they go? Sure. So our um, our website has like a lot of different ways to kind of go to different places. So it's the real estate invest her uh, We're really active on Facebook uh, as well. The real estate invest her. And, um, we have, that's where our free Facebook group is, but you can get that from our website and Instagram. You know, we have, a, um, growing Instagram, uh, following, you know, we're, we're, uh, putting out good, good content. I do a run with Liz every week, but it's at the real estate invest her and it's H E R. And our, our podcast is on Spotify. It's all on the major, uh, you know, networks and, uh, what have you. So, yeah. Good. Awesome. Okay. People go check that out. We'll put some links in the show notes. People can go uh, find it as well. Okay. So rapid fire questions to close this off. And also thank you. That was, we went through like a ton of stuff. So I was really happy. That was, that was great. Um, Okay. So the biggest challenge you've had in your life, what was that challenge? How'd you overcome it? We had close to a million dollars stolen from us oh, uh, of, of our <laughs> money. And I know this is not gonna be a very quick answer, but I'm going to be as succinct as I can. Um, and it was our money and our, our investors' money. Um, don't ever give up. And um, every tough experience leads you to a better outcome. And we learned a lot through that experience. Uh, and it didn't. It, it only made us stronger. So remember that you can get literally kicked in the face. And if you use it as a learning lesson, it will make you stronger. Good. That's another podcast. That's a. That's another one. <laughs> I'm sure, that's a story. <laughs> have me and Matt. Have me and Matt on for that. That's a. That's I a would good totally. One. That's a. That's a hell of a story. Okay. Um, <laughs> If you had to choose one person, there's obviously been many, but one person who's been an incredible impact, influence, impact on your life, a mentor, who was that person? What did they teach you? Hmm. I think that, you know, there's a lot of people and, and I'd say a lot of, um, you know, people along my way of, of, of high school and college and grad school, but I'd say the first person that just popped in my head was my professor for my entrepreneurial class. And he was like this, um, serial entrepreneur. I mean, you know, and again, it was like, I didn't know any of these people. And then I see this, he's an older gentleman. He kind of took me under his wing. Um, and, and we had a lot of conversations during that class, like just one-on-one. Um, and it was just really cool because I got a chance to get to know someone and he was so giving. So that's my first, like, you know, serial entrepreneur that I ever met. And he was the most giving person. So that was very helpful for me. That really imprinted on me of like, oh, these aren't just like sharks and people who want to make a lot of money, you know? I mean, that's okay too, but these are giving people too. 
Very good. Um, a book or podcast uh, outside of your own, obviously, that you'd recommend people go check out. Uh, I'm really, I've really been enjoying um, Brene Brown's um, podcast. Oh, she's I been on here. She's, uh, she's been recommended a few times. So I, I, I think that's a good one for sure. Yeah, I do. I adore her. Her, her work, her stuff is great, you know, and, and it's very, it resonates a lot of just doing the work on yourself mm -hmm. so you can be a better leader, a better entrepreneur, a better mom, a better fill in the blank, not better, a higher version of yourself, if you will, because you, you know, you are who you are and there's greatness. But so I've really enjoyed her stuff. I've enjoyed all her books, podcasts, and she's just like, you know, the kind of podcast host, she's just like chatting with people. You feel like you were there with her. That's yeah. why I think I like her as much. I feel like I know her, but I don't, obviously. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. One day. Oh, one that's day. one of one my day. goals is to have her, have her on our podcast. Um, if I get her on here, I'll, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you her info. Appreciate <laughs> I'm trying it. to get her on too. She's, a, she's busy. I'm sure she has enough invites. I think I just saw her on oh, Tim Ferriss. So maybe one day when I'm at that level. <laughs> um, if you could uh, tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would that be? I tell, I tell her a lot of things. I, I would probably tell her, you know, be, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. That's good. That's yeah. I've never heard someone say that before, but that's a good one. Um, and lastly, what does success mean to you? Ooh, success means to me, um, being, being a better version of myself than I was yesterday. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching 
my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay.